You remember being a kid and somebody would want something that was yours and then have the audacity to get mad when you ain't want to give it to them? It just occurred to me that that don't make no damn sense. <laughs> you got some food, some snacks, some chips or something. Yo, let me have some. Nah. Damn, it's like that? What you mean? It's like what? You can't, it's like that, something, simply because somebody don't want to give you something that they purchased. I bought this. I'm not obligated to give this to you just because you want some. It's not yours. What make you think that I have to give you some of mine just because you don't have any? Sometimes you got punished for the fact that your parents loved you. <laughs> I'm sorry. But you came to school with no lunch. That's nothing to do with me. Doesn't mean I'm obligated. Now, if I want to give you something out the kindness of my heart, well, then good. It makes me a great person. You should be grateful. But if I don't want to give you any, leave me alone. Let me enjoy my snacks and go on somewhere with your hungry ass. Welcome to In the Moment. I'm in the moment Stay in the moment Yeah, ayy there's a moment in everything, and everything is a moment. I talk about the comedy in it all. This is your first time. Welcome to the funniest podcast you have never heard. I'm your new favorite comedian, Mo Mitch, or your money back. Shout out to all my regular listeners. I'm in the moment. And my new listeners. Episode 79. As always, we made it another week. Give it up for yourself for being here. You can be anywhere. And yet I find you right here in the moment with me And I appreciate it We're going to turn it up another week as always A lot to get into I got to tell y'all about this embarrassing ass story, man This story that happened to me while I was mic'd up one time If you haven't heard it, it's, uh, well, it's funny if you're not the person in it Wasn't funny for me, it'll be funny for you And I also got to tell y'all about this documentary that I watched Legit, like I'm a documentary guy but this documentary might be the craziest doc I've ever watched. Just the story, the details, all of it. We got to get into all of that. It's going to be a great hour. I appreciate you being here. All right, as always, let's get into why I'm at. I'm mad at those moments in life when you used to be in somebody's car and you were starving. It's something else that used to happen to a lot of us as kids. You remember those moments like you ever been in somebody's car and you're starving and y'all go get something to eat? And then you get the food, but they won't let you eat in the car? Hey, yo, this car ain't even all that. I can't eat in the car. You ever had to sit in the car and smell the food? Yo, the food smell better than food has ever smelled in your life. You are starving. I tell you them wings... Start to hit your nose. You ready to kill somebody for a wing? If you could just eat one fry. Ever been in that person's car? No, we can't eat until we get home. Yo. So we're going to let the food get cold. And I got to suffer through this long-ass car ride. Because however long the car ride is, now it's double. If it's a 15-minute ride home, now it's 30. Because I'm starving. I'm smelling food that I can't eat. That's torture. Somewhere they use that as a torture tactic. I'm convinced. Oh, I used to be so mad. Like, yo, I'm not going to spill anything. Let me eat. I got friends. I won't let you eat in their car. But I've seen them throw up in their own car. From being drunk, you threw up in here. But I can't eat fries? I'm pretty sure as a kid it was the same thing. Your parents like, no, you can't eat in the car. If your parents was out one night, I'm pretty sure they got a friend that threw up in the car. But as a kid, you couldn't eat your fries. You don't open these fries. You ever been in a fight <laughs> in a car over fries? If you are in a relationship and you have never gotten into a little bit of a fight, a little bit of a tiff with your significant other over some fries, y'all ain't really together. You get the fries, yo. You got fries? I got fries too. 
The person who get the bag first start eating off whatever fries they find. Don't even matter if it's yours. Yo, you don't even know if those yours. If you like me, I eat the fries off of whatever fries are on top. And then that's the fries I give someone. I, mine is on the bottom with the bag fries. You always got to take some. It's a charge. You know what I mean? It's like you got to pay the toll. You got to pay the cross. If I'm going to pass you your bag, it's going to cost you some fries. That's just a rule. I thought everyone knew that one. So anytime someone got mad at me for taking a few fries before the bag got to you, hey, man, you got to pay the toll. It's not my fault. Who's next? Speaking of cars, I remember I lived in this neighborhood in New York once, and I'm mad at what I used to witness every time I came home. (laughs) So one of my uh, neighbors... He used to constantly be in his car when I got home from work. All the time. I would pull up. I would park. And every time I would get out of my car, I would see him in his car. And eventually, we got friendly and we used to wave, you know, keep it moving. We would talk if we ever saw each other. Yo, what's up? How's everything? All right, all right, keep it moving. It's New York. You ain't too friendly. Just friendly enough to know that you're not going to rob me or something. I don't got to be worried about you. That's that's what friendly is in New York. So for a while, I would just kind of see him in the car all the time when I would get home. And I never thought to ask him, yo, why are you always in the car? Because <laughs> I don't know him like that. But one day I was really curious. So I'm like, I'm just going to ask him, man. How is it that every time I come home, you in your car? Can't be a coincidence at this point. It's too many times. Because for a while, I thought he just got home every time I got home. But too many times of that, your brain tells you something else is going on here. So again, me being the neighbor, will you be? I didn't want to necessarily be like all in his business, but at the same time, I want to know enough to know that I should not be concerned. So one day we were kicking it, caught him outside, he's smoking a cigarette, I ain't really doing anything out there, it's always awkward, if you outside with somebody, chopping it up and they smoking a cigarette and you just standing there, you really ain't got no business there, I don't smoke cigarettes, so one day I just asked him, and it was awkward, and I knew I was being nosy, and that's not me, I'm like the last person in the world to ever be nosy. I don't care. I don't want to know. I mind my business. Side note, there's a rapper. His name is Exhibit. I want to say it was his first big single ever. It was a song called What You See Is What You Get. I don't know if that's what it's called. That's just the hook. A lot of times we do that. You don't even know if that's the name of the song, but you just say the hook. But the entire video, I remember this, was about how what you see happens to you. So what you see is what you get. So once I saw that video in my youth, I always grew up trying not to see anything because I didn't want to get anything. So I mind my business. End of side note. So I just asked him. And it's one of those moments where you go over it in your head 45 times. I'm going to say it like this. I'm going to say it like that. He's going to respond like this. He's going to respond like that. None of that happens. And it's the most simple thing ever. You just ask the question, and now the person has to answer. That's all it is. But I'm going over it. I say, yo, man. Yo, it's, what's up with you in your car? <laughs> and it's not exactly how I wanted it to come out. But that's how it came out. He said, what you mean? Because he ain't know what the hell I was talking about. Fair. I said, every time I come home, you in the car. Seem like you be in the car a lot. And like, as I'm asking it, I realize how weird it is that I'm asking it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like mid-question. I'm like, this is dumb as fuck. This is a stupid-ass question. I don't even know him this well. If he swings on me, I earned it. (laughs) And he's like, uh, he kind of laughed. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know if that was an uncomfortable laugh, awkward laugh. I didn't know. He said, yo, man, I'm going to keep it a buck with you. I don't be wanting to go upstairs. I was like, well, damn. Who upstairs? 
was, I immediately thought Bernie Mac. When Bernie Mac said him downstairs. Well, who upstairs? And he's like, yo, you know how it go with your lady, man. She just be getting on my nerves. She be on me. I said, oh, it's one of those. And then he told me about his situation. The truth is, I should have figured it out. I should have put two and two together. It was obvious because I lived next door. And if you've ever lived next door to anyone in the majority of those apartments in New York City, it's like a free soap opera. You don't even need cable. You hear everything that the couple next door is going through. Those walls are thin as fuck. I used to know you can't argue in here. Any argument I had with my girl back then, we used to argue like it was one of those movies where you was trying to tell somebody to shut up. It was like a quiet place kind of argument. Shh. We can't let them know. I don't care if we fight, but we can't let everybody know what the fight about. When you use your neighbors as entertainment, you don't want to be the neighbor that's entertaining. She used to be mad as hell. I used to shh. You ever try to shh a woman when she's super mad? Yeah, guess what she don't do? Shh. She don't do that. The last thing she's going to do is be quiet. Argument gets super real. Then she turns into a superhero. Things start flying. Man, I'm saying this to say I knew what fam was going through because I would. Well, I don't want to say I would listen because then it sounded like I was trying to listen. I wasn't. The walls are this thin. You have to understand if you've never been to New York, the walls are that thin. You can hear everything. Even when you don't want to, you almost have to turn the TV up some nights because they're too loud. So sometimes it's argument, sometimes it's sex, whatever it is. You are very close to your neighbors in New York City more times than not. More close than you ever want to be. So I should have put two and two together. That the reason I didn't hear them argue until a certain time was because before that, he was in his car. But I'm mad at the relationship that forces you to be in your car. And I'm talking about a tall guy. This man was taller than me. He was probably about 6'6". Six, six. And he had a Honda Civic. Old joint. Very small. A little bigger than a bicycle. And this man, after a long day of work, because I forgot what he did, but I do remember he was at work most of the day. You get home. You get home and for an hour or two before you go upstairs and deal with her upstairs. You'd rather sit in your car that you barely fit in? Can you imagine? Fam, it's not enough music or AC or anything in that car for me to want to sit there after a long day of work. I want to go upstairs, take a shower, have a cold beer. Not really, but that always sounds cool when people say it. It's probably like water for me, but whatever. You get the point. But, like, I don't want to sit in the car, especially if it's not a nice car. (laughs) I'm I'm kidding. But I'm mad that my man used to go through that. I hope he's doing better. Shout out to him. Who's next? I'm mad at gratuity. (laughs) If you're a loyal listener to my podcast, you've heard me speak before about how My uncle was sitting at the table once, and he wanted to pay for our meals. And when he saw a gratuity, he wanted to know who the hell gratuity was. Because he didn't order no damn gratuity. He ordered eggs. And I said that I understood his pain because sometimes when you go out, and this is coming from someone who used to be a server. I know how important it is to give good service. I was a server for a while. I was a pretty good one. Made people laugh. Did my thing. But sometimes the service is horrible. And you didn't earn a tip. It is what it is, but gratuity is going to force you to give it anyway. And in those cases, I'm not always the fondest of gratuity. But in thinking of that, I went out the other day, and I'm always the guy who doesn't really read the receipt. Like, I just kind of pay it. And I haven't always been that guy. I'm going to be honest. It was a time when I was broke. When I tell you I read every letter on that receipt, I read every word. I read the restaurant we was at, the address, the server's name, 
who built the restaurant, what the place used to be, whatever the hell else be on the receipt. I read all of it. Because I was looking for a mistake. Just show me a typo. That's what cost you $10 every time. I'm in a little better of a situation now, and all of a sudden I found myself just thinking it's cool, and I have to stop doing that. And I'm about to pay the tip, and if somebody stops me like, yo, they already have gratuity on there. And I looked down, and I was like, you're right. Wait a minute. Now you got to cross out the little tip. Feel like an asshole for even doing that. Right? <laughs> Especially when you got to cross it out and put a lower number. So now you got to cross the fire out of it so they can't see what the number was before. <laughs> You put a new number, but then I saw, like, underneath it said, for your convenience, gratuity will be added. And I had a moment of, yeah, I should probably read to the end. If you're a fan of the Bird Show, you know Bird's not good at that with emails. Same deal. That's for the P1s. And I wasn't mad at the fact that I didn't read it. What I was mad at was, the hell you mean for my convenience? I don't like when people lie to me in an obvious situation. Like, I know you're lying. Don't look at me in my face and play me for a fool. Gratuity is not added for my convenience. Ain't shit convenient about that for me. I am forced to give you a tip regardless of the service you give me. What about that is convenient, my guy? They're just lying in my face. This is for your convenience. I would appreciate it if the restaurant was more honest. Yo, for our convenience, we've added gratuity. That makes sense. Don't try to make it seem like it's for my convenience. This shit ain't for me. I would conveniently like to tip whatever the hell I feel like I need to tip. That's convenient. Having a choice. Where do we even live anymore? Since when is it ever convenient to be forced to do anything? Stop lying. Who's next? Last but not least, I'm mad at something that I see occur on Twitter all the time. Yes, I'm going to hate here. But that's what this entire I'm Mad segment is for. I get an opportunity to hate for fun. And every once in a while, I'll send off a tweet that's profound, deep, funny, Amazing. Just a fucking incredible tweet. Life-changing, in fact. I'll say to myself, this tweet is going to go. This is the one. This tweet is out of here. I think I tweeted last week, it's cool to cut off the people who hurt you, but you also have to remember to cut off the version of yourself that allowed them to do it. One person was screaming from the back. Profound! Oh, my God! Mo, it's like, thank you, queen. Shout out to the one person who hears me. I think I got two retweets and a like. Sounds like a combo piece. At stop eyes. Because no one's looking. <laughs> no one cares, Mo. But then I scroll down my timeline and I'll see. Like a nice looking woman. You know, yeah, they got the little cute profile or whatever. And she'll tweet something like, I only want to do shit that makes me happy. Man, that should have 150 million retweets, 400,000 likes. What does she say? Duh. The fuck? That's all it took, man, to be cute and a woman online sometime. Yes, I'm hating, okay? I mean, I agreed. I only want to do shit that makes me happy, too. But that's my point, don't we all? They'll tweet anything, and it'll go viral. All you got to do is pull your... Never mind. almost said too much. Who's next? All right, let's get in the shout-outs. You might feel a little hopeless and broken, but don't you quit. Because I swear to God, you probably even closer than you Shout-out to phone screen and slash producer Romeo on The Bird Show. Because if you've been following along, then you know about the bet of the century. Where our producer Katie waxed Romeo in a game of pool, which meant that he had to get waxed in real life. It's basically the summary of what happened. 
I'm a regular Pat Summerall over here. And, well, now his bet was he had to get waxed in the studio. Like three, four feet from me. I mean, way too close for comfort. Went into work that day having no idea this was happening. Didn't know Romeo's ass was going to be out so close to me. No one told me. But I got to work, and lo and behold, there it was. Romeo's ass. Out. And of course, Tommy, being <laughs> the comedic genius that he is, um, left just enough space in between <laughs> the curtains for me to be able to see. Had a bird's eye view right to Romeo's ass and got his lower half waxed. And now, well, I guess he'd he'd look amazing if he went all top, no bottom. So shout out to Romeo. <laughs> and now he has to go stand on a street corner with a Speedo on and a sign that says, Katie stole my balls. And he's taking it like a man and I... He's got a little more time before he has to go show his um, speedo body to the world. So he's doing a lot of squats, a lot of leg presses in order to get ready for the event. (laughs) But the funniest thing of it all was you could see the confidence kind of draining from him by the second when he knew that he was moments away from getting his lower half waxed in front of well, his co-workers in the world. And I'm always intrigued by the moments that take a man's confidence and the moments that gives a man confidence. And I saw the confidence get taken from him. Quick, soop, just like that, gone. And then when he walked out of the curtain and the nice lady who waxed him looked at him deep in his eyes and said, for what it's worth, you have really cute balls. When I saw that confidence seep right back into Romeo's body, I said, there you have it. That's a winner. (laughs) Hey, when I tell you how his swag changed immediately, I mean the moment. It's like he received it, like he needed that. My balls are cute? Oh, shit. La, 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 la. (laughs) Hey, you can't tell a man nothing once he finds out his balls are cute. You can hang it up. Who's that? Shout out to Jenny. I won't give her last name because I don't know that she wants to be in the spotlight. However, I will give her a shout out. She will know who she is because I got a message from her saying that she was on a 13-hour trip listening to my podcast and she wanted to thank me for getting her through that trip. So shout out to Jenny. You are the listener of the week. I appreciate you. I don't know if you listened to me for the entire 13 hours, but if you did, thank you. I mean, if you listen to me for one hour, thank you. But, man, I'm trying to get people in my family to listen to me for three minutes. Doesn't work. Could barely get a woman I was dating to listen to me for two. So for you to have me on in your car, shout out to you. And if you're listening to me in your car right now, Shout out to you. But Jenny, listen out of week. Welcome to the In The Moment family. Who's next? All right, let's get down to business. Has anybody talked to T.I. lately? (laughs) Rapper T.I. is hilarious. (laughs) He always has something to say. And typically, I'm here for it every time he does. And this latest, he posted this on Instagram. Well, a lot of people thought it was funny. It said, ladies, I'm going to be honest. Some of y'all eyelashes longer than y'all real hair, and it bothers me. (laughs) And while this is funny, I'm going to be honest, I laughed. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. Sometimes... It's not necessarily the message, it's the messenger. I was laughing at that, but at the same time, I couldn't help but think to myself, T.I., 
Your beard don't connect, bro. <laughs> hey, some of us got baby faces, man. You just got to let it go. Stop trying to get your beard to connect. It's no chemistry. It just don't have a connection. There's no bridge. You're over there. I'm over here. And we can love each other that way. It's never going to connect. And if your beard looks like that, T.I.'s beard looks like the yard of the house that's on everybody's nerves. You know the one house? Yo, fam, grow some grass. Do something. That's how his beard look. You're that yard. You can't tell the women anything about their hair when you're Patchy Adams. Nonetheless. <laughs> Talk your shit to ya. Who's next? Speaking of beards, I've had enough. I have had enough. Ladies, I don't want to hear anything else about how fine y'all think a man is if he has a beard. I'm done. All right? Babyface is officially the greatest songwriter and artist of all time. That's it. I don't want to hear anything about anyone with a beard. Too many times now, I've heard women running around Talking about how fine a man is, and as soon as that man cut his beard, we see the truth. This happened with the lead actor from Queen Sugar, Kofi. And now it just happened again with the tight end from the Kansas City Chiefs. Y'all was hype about Travis Kelsey. He was trending. Y'all kept talking about Travis. Try that man cut his beard. Oh, y'all let him have it. If you are not familiar with this story, just Google Travis Kelsey and look at the difference between when he had a beard and now that he doesn't. My, 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 my. It don't look good tonight. <laughs> hey, he went from Trav back to Travis real quick. Real quick. Real fucking quick. <laughs> Yo. They put him in black and white, said he looked like a player from the 20s. Made him vanilla, bland. Black community don't want to accept him anymore. That's wrong. I don't care how y'all feel about his beard. When I tell you I'm still picking him in my fantasy if I can get a chance, I'm not hesitating, but I don't ever want to hear about how y'all feel about a man with a beard. It's not fair. It's not fair for us who have a baby face. We're out here naked. Butt naked in the face. Face naked. Butt face naked. Naked butt face. Whatever. But this is who we are. We're transparent. We're showing you who we really are. And here you are telling me about a man with a beard. It's a whole coat on his face. He don't know what a real winner is like. He ain't never had to be out here. No gloves. No scarf. No beard. Okay? It's a lot of animals in the wild. You know what keeps them warm? Their coat. You know who don't have a coat? Babyface men. We're not respected like we should be. Babyface is a much better artist than James Harden will ever be a basketball player. Period. So all I'm saying, as one of the leaders of the Babyface Coalition, don't compare us to them. It's different over here. We have nothing to hide. Thank you. Who's next? So y'all done got the baby out of here, huh? The baby is a rapper who was almost a pop star. Not sure if he quite made it. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but he said some things. And now a lot of people are canceling him. And, well, they took him off of every show that you can think of. The man was performing everywhere. All these festivals, all summer long. But he got canceled one by one. And last I heard, now they're reporting that he's going to be performing at Boosie's birthday party. It's another rapper, if you're not familiar. And someone tweeted, hey, let's not act like Boosie's birthday parties are not lit. My guy. <laughs> hey, no one's saying they're not. I'm sure Boosie's parties are rocking for most. But when you were performing at 10 plus festivals for millions, I am going to pretend like Boosie's parties is not lit, bro. I'm, that's, 
That's actually exactly what I'm going to do. Hey, I mean, it's hard to feel bad for him. This is where the baby got himself. I'm just saying, can you imagine? You go from festivals to performing at somebody's prom? Damn. You bringing the prom king out? Humble yourself. You can always be knocked off that pedestal. Let that be a reminder to you. Don't let your talent take you places your character can't keep you. That appears to be what's happening to the baby. Someone said maybe he needs to go somewhere and meditate and be alone and sit and grow. I thought it's not a bad idea. It's what we all need to do at some point. Maybe he'll come back as demand. <laughs> Move on. Who's next? All right, let's keep it 100. I just want the truth in everything you say. Pain inside my heart that you can't take away. I really ain't concerned. Shout out to LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton is host of Reading Rainbow. Back in the day, that's what most know him for. Reading Rainbow was my shit as a kid. They should bring it back. Because a lot of people don't read. That's the problem. That's the problem with a lot of people today. Uh, He stepped in to host Jeopardy. He was a guest host for a while. And here's why I'm giving him a shout out. So I'm torn about this. This came up today and I'm curious as to what you guys think. So the great Alex Trebek passed away and it was time to pass the torch to someone else to be the host of Jeopardy, a popular game show. And LeVar Burton was one of the guest hosts. He stepped in, did an amazing job, I believe, and people seemed to love him. And it just seemed to be a shoe in And for whatever reason... They decided to go with this guy named Mike Richards instead, who I believe was one of the executive producers of the show. And obviously, we could debate why they went with Mike Richards over LeVar Burton, but no need. They choose this guy, Mike, and immediately some podcasts come up where he said, Some nasty things. Some things that people didn't like. And the heat is on. It's coming from around the corner by the second. Mike wants to now take the podcast down. I bet. No, leave him up. You're going to be the face of Jeopardy. Well, don't run, right? I don't see LeVar Burton deleting episodes of Reading Rainbow. I didn't hear any of these accusations about him. No one had a bad word to say about LeVar Burton. Yet, here we are. So Mike Richards begins to trend on Twitter. And they start finding more things. And then as of today, he decides to step down. He doesn't want to be the face of Jeopardy. He's apologizing for being a distraction. All right, cool. Whatever. My thing is this. Now, the obvious is are they going to now offer the job to who should have had it in the first place? LeVar Burton. And if they do, does LeVar Burton take the job? That's the question. Now, to most, I would imagine this is a pretty easy answer. Yes. However, to some, there's the pride factor. Especially in being a black man in this situation. Some men wouldn't care. I don't know his financial situation. I don't know if he needs the job or not. Some men would feel like, listen, this is my destiny. I was supposed to do this. I don't know why you overlooked me, but we got it right. I'm here now. Let's get to work. That's fine. Some men may feel as if you unfairly chose someone else over me, which is something that we go through all the time. Did that have something to do with it? I don't know, but I don't know that it didn't. Seemed to be a pretty easy choice to me. 
So what if LeVar felt like, you know what? I'm cool. <laughs> Could you blame him? Would it be epic? Would it be worth it to say, instead of being the next host of Jeopardy or instead of being a guest host again, somewhat auditioning again, you chose the next guy, look who the next guy turned out to be, now you find yourself back here, huh? How convenient. Happy Friday. But I'm good. I wouldn't be mad at him either way. If they do offer him the job, I think that's the situation he finds himself in is the world is his. And I really would be torn if I were him. Is it pride? Probably. Would he feel as if he made the right decision either way? It takes me back to the Kevin Hart moment. The controversy with the Oscars. They wanted Kevin Hart to host, but they wanted him to apologize for some things that he felt like he already apologized for. So he turned them down. No, thank you. A lot of people feel like, yo, it's a black comedian's dream. Other people felt like, yo, the man already apologized. He's not apologizing again. Great. Take a stand. I'm cool. What was the right thing to do? I don't know. At the time, I was very confused, and I was leaning towards Kev, host the Oscars. Make jokes about it. Be funny. Do what you do best. Now that I've seen a little bit, I've learned a little bit, I'm not so sure. Maybe he did the right thing by saying, yo, man, I've apologized already. I've, I don't want to continue to conform for you. Be who you want me to be so that you can utilize me for your moment. I'm not him. So I can't, from my position, say whether he did the right thing or not, but I do wonder if he believes he did the right thing or not. Do you do the job or do you take the stand? That means something completely different in the streets. <laughs> but in Hollywood, what's the right decision? I think of Colin Kaepernick. Does Colin Kaepernick wish he would have just done the job? Or is he happy he took the stand? Deep down inside. Truth is, if we're going to talk about legacy, Colin Kaepernick probably just would have been another man who played football. Years from now, wouldn't have remembered Colin Kaepernick like he was Tom Brady. But the fact that you took the stand created something completely different. Now you're in the history books for real. Some people would say for the wrong reasons. A lot of people would say for the right ones. Doesn't really matter. Either way, what can't be debated is you are much more of a figure in the history of existence than you ever would have been just throwing a football because you took a stand. He took a stand. Kevin Hart took a stand. Different stands, of course. And now the ball's kind of in LeVar Burden's court. Obviously, the scale is a bit different. Not saying it's to the extreme of what Colin Kaepernick did by any means. But there is an opportunity to take a stand if he so chose. And I wonder what it would mean and what it would say. Stop looking over us when we're the obvious pick. When there's nothing to talk about. Give the position to the right man, regardless of color, creed, or anything else. Or don't. And suffer the consequences of making the wrong decision. Choice is yours. Who's next? Question of the week. Somebody asked me what's one of the most embarrassing moments that you've ever had since you've been in entertainment. <laughs> and I've had a few of them. Um, but I think the most embarrassing one, some of you may have heard this story. Um, I told it at one of my specials. But I don't think I've ever told it on the podcast. Maybe I have. I honestly can't remember. But when I think of most embarrassing moment in entertainment, it's definitely when I was recording the Blind Date show. <laughs> and, you know, 
I didn't necessarily want to do this, but it was an opportunity to be on national television and increase my brand, put myself and the bird show in front of new faces, new people. And so I said, hell with it. I'll do it. Get a new experience. And I went and did the show. I guess I was a bit naive to how long you have to actually record behind the scenes. And a lot of this, I still can't actually talk about, which pisses me off contractually. I can't talk about it publicly. But I can talk about the fact that, yes, it's, um, it's a lot of hours and it's a lot of waiting around. And there was this one particular moment when we were about to film a scene. And so they have to mic you up. So they call me out of the truck, start micing me up. It's always awkward when a guy is that close to you, like face to face, breathing on you. You can feel his breath slapping you in the face. And he's just dragging wires all up and down your body, through your shirt, around your neck. He can choke you out at any moment. I was playing Hitman on PS5, so my mind is kind of wild. Y'all got to forgive me. But, you know, that kind of thing. He's micing me up. And like in this moment, I could feel my stomach doing things. It's rumbling. Rumble, young man, rumble. Stomach's doing the Ali shuffle. And... I'm like, damn, man, here we go. Like, it's the worst time. It's always the worst time. I'm thinking to myself, hopefully I can film this scene in enough time that I can hold this and my stomach will relax and won't get caught on the mic because who wants that to happen? Nobody wants to be on national television with the Ali Shuffle stomach. And so as soon as he finishes micing me up, he's like, all right, give us about 15 minutes. We're micing her up. We're going to bring you guys in here, and we're going to shoot. We're going to film. And I'm like, yo. You said, how many minutes, my guy? He said, 15. I said, here's the thing. I need a bathroom. He's like, right now? Are you serious? I'm like, you're asking me as if it's, this was my choice. My stomach decides this. Have you never shit it before? This is not like I decided in this moment this is the best time to go. It's kind of like being in a relationship as a man, fam. Like, you already know what it is. Just here, okay? Don't have much of a fucking choice. I'm here. You know how this goes. And he's like, ah, well, I don't know what to do, dude. Um, ah, I guess when you got to go, you got to go, right? I said, you guess right. My stomach has decided now. And he's like, well, I can't unmic you. That's going to take too long. So just go do what you got to do. I said, all right, cool. Go to the bathroom, and it's a nice little walk to the bathroom. So enough time that now my only focus is my stomach and making it. And I'm walking through this restaurant where we're filming, and it's obvious that, like, I'm the guy that's filming because I'm the only guy that's dressed up, dressed to the nines like he's going to be on television. I got the mic. I got the headset on. I got the whole nine. So I'm running through the restaurant practically holding my ass, like speed walking, knocking tacos over, trying to get to the bathroom in the middle of filming Blind Date. And people are looking, they're puzzled, they're confused, they're trying to figure out what's going on. I'm picking tacos off the floor, I'm sorry, excuse me. And I get to the bathroom, and by the time I get there, you know, it's that moment when you made it, and it's no time to waste, it's no time to talk. You know? So I unbuckle and release (laughs) and all kinds of noises happen it is what it is you cannot control those noises i've walked into restrooms where there are men in there making noises that i never wanted to hear another grown man make and i don't know if these noises are coming from his ass or where they're coming from but either way it's uncomfortable and i usually make fun of the guy in that situation not gonna lie i'm that person Ooh. Oh, oh, shit. Damn, you all right? What you ate? Want me to call for backup? 
Like, I'm that guy. Maybe this was my moment of karma, but in this moment of making all these noises, I completely forgot I'm mic'd up. I'm mic'd up like one of the NFL players during the ESPN special. I'm making noises with the noises. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I got way too comfortable, but it was like, it was an emergency. It was one of those. And I just got in the zone. I, when I tell you, I completely forgot I was mic'd up. They hear everything. Surround sound. In all the producers' ears. I think one of the producers had beats. Mad loud. I'm letting it go in the bathroom. I'm dropping things. Flushing. Went to stand up. The mic fell on the ground. I forgot the mic was on my belt. Yo, it was bad, man. It was bad. It was all bad. There was interference with the signals. I think I ruined one of the flights. Yo, it was sick. And the moment I remembered, I said, damn it. I looked down and I saw a mute button. And fam never told me about the mute button. I ain't really look either, but, you know, I had other goals. Walk out the bathroom, and as <laughs> soon as I got back outside around all the producers, I could feel the energy. It was awkward. It was like they all knew that I knew that they knew, but they was pretending like nothing happened. One of them didn't care. He's like, hey, Mo, you all right? <laughs> hey, fuck you, man. You know damn well I'm not all right. You heard it. You heard what went down. Why you ain't come out? That was one of the most embarrassing moments ever, yo. And no one really had enough. I don't know if it's courage because I wouldn't have said anything either. It's not really my business, but no one said anything to me. I thought at least one person would have been like, yo, you know, we kind of heard you. No people wait for those moments. No one said anything. Didn't say a word. So to this moment, I'm not exactly sure. If they had, like, the ability to turn the mic off on their end and they didn't have to suffer through that moment, but if they didn't, man, they heard me taking a shit. <laughs> Surround sound. Who's next? I right, sicko award. He's so fake, but I'm so real. Yeah, I'm so sick, but he's just So I was going to give the sicko award to Safari. Look him up if you don't know who he is. I don't feel like telling you. It's not really that important anymore. Just know he left his own baby shower. Something like that. He's a sick man. He does a lot of sick things all the time. And typically when I don't really have a sick award, I just try to figure out what Safari did today. It always works. But right in the clutch. Three seconds on the clock. Down two. My guy Case Money from 1901 pulls up from 50. And nails the three. And becomes the sicko of the week. Reason being, we all need friends like him, or do we? Because one of my other dudes texts me, and he's like, yo, let's go play ball when I get to Atlanta. It's been a while. Shout out to Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks. This conversation started because Trey Young was upset that he got an 89. And I just asked my other dude, I said, yo, what do you think your rating would have been? I think he said 72. And then somehow that led to, let's go play ball. And I said, yo, let's do it. It's been a minute. Let's go get it. And it's in a group text. So that's when Case was like, whoa, go do what? Both of you are going to die. <laughs> yo, the last time this dude went and played basketball, he got pushed in the air, fouled, hacked, broke his foot, and got fired because he couldn't work. Mo, what are you doing? Why would you go play basketball at this point in your life? I thought to myself, wait a minute, what the fuck? You ever heard of support? And he's like, this is support. I'm telling your Humpty Dumpty asses to go sit down somewhere. Because if you sit on a wall, it's going to be bad. Sit on the floor. This is tough love. This is what you need. Y'all are old and y'all suck. My other guy, Coast tunes in. He's like, first of all, I wasn't old when that happened. So what does that have to do with anything? And I thought to myself, I don't think that's helping your case, bro. I don't think. That's going to do anything for you. But in this moment, I couldn't, I just didn't know what to do. I'm like, maybe he's right. Now I'm terrified to go just play a game of basketball. But is that what a friend is supposed to do in that moment? Keep it that real with you? 
tell you you suck and go sit down before you hurt yourself? Maybe, but I'm the kind of friend you can't tell not to do something because now I'm a trial for the Knicks. I'm not even playing. Now I got to go play ball. I was kind of joking when I was like, let's go get it, but now I'm serious. When I tell you I'm about to go run suicides, touch the line, up-downs, three-man weave, I'm not playing. I'm really about to get back out here. I've been thinking about picking up boxing again anyway. It's been a while. I want to train again. I want to get in that kind of shape. Plus, I talk a lot of shit. T.I. Safari, one of them might run up on me one day. I told you I already had a brushing with a celeb. Pretty big guy. I was ready to hold my own, but Lord knows I ain't been on a treadmill in a while at that point. I don't know, but now I feel like I have to. I have to find the time. I've been holding back. Now it's not a game. I'm going to get back in shape, and I'm either going to film Rocky 6, Creed 3, or Coach Carter 2. But either way, I'm going to get out here. Y'all pray for me. Who's next? Moment of the week. Yo, a lot of times in life, I've had a woman tell me, you not ready. (laughs) And I thought of this because a friend of mine was talking to me, and he was just telling me this story, how he met this young lady. And he was flirting with her, and she kept telling him, you not ready, you not ready, you not ready. What you mean, you not ready? (laughs) And he's like, yo, what that mean? He's younger, so he comes to me for advice whenever it comes to dating and all that. And I'm like, yo, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I always have an answer for him. But this time I was like, I don't have an answer. Because I'm going to be honest. Every time I ever found myself in a situation where a woman told me I wasn't ready, it turned out I was ready. I was like very prepared, extra prepared, overstudied, in fact, beyond ready. And it's not because I'm amazing. It's just because they weren't. (laughs) I'm convinced that all the people, because men do this too, who be like, yo, I'm not ready, and they be really loud about how amazing they are. They don't be that amazing. Just being honest. You're not ready. Ready. You're late, in fact. I'm waiting on you. I couldn't be more ready. The party started an hour ago. I'm sweating because you're taking so long to come pick me up while I'm fully dressed in my house where I'm trying to save money without having the AC on blast. I promise you I'm ready. Don't ever believe it when someone tells you you're not ready. That's a defense mechanism. Because they're not. If you're scared, get a dog. Go to church. Do something. Don't tell me I'm not ready. I don't work too hard to be ready for everything. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. I'm a Fuji, bitch. Who's next? Reflective moment of the week. My trouble used to just double. When I ain't have a dollar, I used to struggle to struggle. Yeah, I was dreaming about the game. Yo, feeling fuck, listening to many, many I saw train. quite possibly the craziest documentary I've ever seen in my life. Trigger warning. This story is... Very tragic, full of a lot of trauma. The story itself, however, is so fascinating that I just couldn't help but share this because it put my mind in so many different places. But it involves abuse in the worst of forms. And I'm not going to give graphic details about the abuse at all. I just wanted to give a trigger warning to be safe. The doc... Is called Tell Me Who I Am. It's on Netflix. They're not paying me. Netflix is not paying me, which is a shame. And they should be. So technically, I'm not telling you to watch it. <laughs> I'm just telling you my experience. But it's about these two twins. And there is an accident that takes place where one of the twin brothers loses his memory. They survive the accident. But he completely loses his memory. He has no idea who he is or what has happened in his life. And I believe he's around 18 years old at this time. 
So when he comes to, the only person who he's familiar with is his twin brother. That's it. That's the only person in the world he knows. He can't remember anything else or anyone else. And so he relies on his twin brother in a way where now his life is literally a a blank canvas of where his brother is painting the picture of his life. And he's teaching him everything again, like everything, riding a bike. This is your mom, that kind of thing. And the twin brother who lost his memory is explaining the story from his standpoint, basically saying that when he met his mom again, it was the first time. So he has no emotional connection to his mom because it's the first time he's met her or seen her since the accident. So now the mom is obviously broken by the fact that her son doesn't know who she is. At the same time, as he's trying to develop this love for his mother once again, he realizes that his brother is not necessarily giving that same genuine, authentic love. Then he can't necessarily figure out why, but he knows something is there. But whenever he tries to speak to his brother about it, his brother is real cold about it, blank, doesn't really want to talk about it. So he's just kind of picking up the pieces to his life and trying to go on with what he knows. One day he finds some pictures, family pictures, that basically lead him down a road of trying to figure out who his mother really, at this point, was. Because she had passed away, as did their father. When he finds these pictures, in case you do want to watch the doc, I'm trying not to give too much away. It forces him to go to his brother and start asking some questions. When he starts asking these questions... His brother's still not really answering anything. So he gets down to where he asks him the one important question that's on his mind. Did our mom abuse us as kids? And his brother shakes his head yes. And that's all he can say. Then he cries. So now he knows his mom did some nasty, dirty things to them when they were kids. But he doesn't necessarily know what. And he's in this place of What do I do now? Do you want to know? Do you go try to figure it out? So fast forward. 20 years. He tries to put this together himself because his brother doesn't have the courage to tell him the full truth. So now at 52 years old, for the first time ever. His brother records himself telling the actual story of what really happened. And he watches it live on this documentary. And it's one of the most horrible things you probably will ever hear a mom doing to her sons. I'm not going to go into the details. It is sick. But it made me wonder, like it just gave me a new perspective of just holy shit, man. What do you do in this situation as both brothers? If you're the brother with this information, do you share it with your brother? And if you're you're the brother who doesn't have the information, do you want it? So the brother who wasn't aware of what happened, once he learned what happened, naturally he was pissed with his brother because he felt like, You're the only person I know. You're my twin brother. You were supposed to keep it real with me. Be honest. We don't have secrets. We're twins. You owe that to me because I am living a life based off of what you tell me because I don't have the luxury of living a life based off of what I know like the rest of us do. So he was mad at his brother. And then the twin brother who had the information looked at it like, yo, What happened to us was so tragic. It was so bad that I'm suffering with living and having this knowledge. This trauma has kept me from being happy to the point where I've had to bury it deep and never visit it again. And you had an opportunity to live a life not knowing that it ever happened. 
Why would I share that with you? Why would I want to put that burden on you when I'm suffering through it myself? He didn't want to relive it. He didn't want to revisit it. So he he admitted that he felt like he was a coward. And he ran. He didn't tell him. He didn't say anything to anyone, ever. And a lot of what they were forced to do involved the two of them, so he didn't even want his brother to have to look at him in the space that he had to look at his brother, if that makes sense. And I just understood all of this. I understood both sides of it. And it just made me wonder, like, damn, can you imagine being in either one of their shoes? And furthermore, if you did have an opportunity to live a life where you weren't tied down by the memories of the worst things that have happened to you, would you want to? A part of me can understand why the brother didn't tell him. Oh, you got a opportunity to live without this. You got an opportunity to love your mom like she was actually a good mom. Something I'll never know. Something we were both supposed to never know. But as the other brother, you allowed this woman to be around me and you allowed me to give her love and affection that she didn't deserve or earn. I wouldn't want her in my face with the things that she's done to us. You forced me to have these emotions. I was hurt when she died. I buried her. I felt something. I should have felt nothing. I got that too. And I genuinely didn't know, like, right from wrong in that one. I certainly know if I were the brother who didn't know, I would want to know. But that's easy to say from where I'm sitting. But I feel like I would want to know. But as the other brother, I can also understand why it would almost feel selfish to tell you. I could understand how you would need a second of, damn, maybe it's better he never knows. It's a tough one. It's a hell of a story. Unlike anything I've ever heard, the doc was great, but their story is just touching. One that really made me think, made me reflect. What would you do in those situations? Who's next? Quote of the week comes from Nipsey Hussle, the late rapper. Rest in peace. And the quote is, greatness isn't supposed to be comfortable. It didn't touch me. It hit me. Because I feel like I'm on this journey of truly fulfilling my purpose. And it's extremely fulfilling. It's also extremely difficult at times. It just is. There's no way around that. If you want to be great, it's hard. (laughs) I don't know what's up with these new people who think that it comes easy. But it's not. There are days when you're tired, man. You don't know how you're going to get through. You're foggy. Your mind's not clear. You're emotional. You're drained. It's not always easy having a lot on your plate. But in terms of food, when you want a lot on your plate... Well, you got to have a lot on your plate. I've certainly learned that some days are a lot harder than others. They seem impossible, in fact, sometimes. But you get through it. Put your head down and you get through it because it's not supposed to be easy. And it's not supposed to be comfortable. All of the growth lies outside of your comfort zone. Talk about that all of the time. You ain't living until you're uncomfortable, period. And I believe that Nipsey summed this up in his own way pretty well. When he said this, man, you know, I be juggling, you know what I'm saying? I juggle a lot. I play a lot of positions, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, um, my mentality when I, when I do start to be like, damn, this is a lot, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, this, that's what it's supposed to feel like. If, if you are going toward what the vision look like and that's like greatness, that's, you know, on multiple levels, mm-hmm. that's the vision that I'm working toward. So I'm like. I just think about that. Like, this shit ain't supposed to feel, you know, comfortable. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. It's supposed to stretch you. It's supposed to be a burden to a degree. And you got to, you know, wrap your mind around that and accept it and embrace it. And you catch some wisdom off of that. You know what I mean? The purpose is in the burden. The destiny is within the work. Stop praying for easier lives and start praying for the strength to handle more. Don't pray for things to be easier. Pray for the strength to handle them. It can't be easy if what you want is hard. If you want a lot, you got to do a lot. I say all of that to say, if you're in that place, if you're in that position, 
where it's uncomfortable, or it's hard, or you're tired, then you're right where you're supposed to be. Keep going. As always, it's been a pleasure to share the moment with you. I look forward to it each week. And until next time, give LeVar Burton a fucking job. (laughs) Oh, man. Love y'all. Next week, bitches. Somebody told me one day, hey, life is like a bowl of cereal. Truth is, shit only that great in the beginning. The more you eat it, the more time goes by, the more soggy it becomes. It's never as good at the end as it was in the beginning, so damn it, you better enjoy it from first bite to the last. Whether you're eating Lucky Charms or them bum-ass cornflakes, life is not a box of chocolates. It's a bowl of cereal. The woman that I would try is happy with a good guy. But I've been drinking so much that I'm a color anyway and say, fuck that bearded man you love so bad. I know that shit itches and it makes you mad. I say, fuck that bearded man you think you found. I know he's only cute when that beard's around.